Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. Another solo episode. (laughs) I know I keep saying that I'll have a guest on and I really will, but I just have topics that I want to talk about and people I want to interview too. So those will come. Swear, cross my heart, hope to die. Well, I don't really hope to die, but okay. So today's topic is about venting. And you might know by now from being a human, however long you've been a human, how important feeling and processing your emotions are. Repressing them just allows them to metastasize and eventually explode in a bigger and uglier way. No bueno. Venting can help you gain perspective and clarity and assist you in moving forward and healing and just feeling better, feeling lighter, right? I mean, you've had those venting sessions with someone, hopefully you have, and you just walk away feeling better, feeling lighter, feeling like you have your legs beneath you again. And venting is necessary, I think, in life, whatever form it takes, and with someone you trust, and we'll get into that later, because leaving emotions or frustrations or anger bottled up can be toxic and your body keeps the score. I mean, it can corrode literally and figuratively. It's so bad for you if you just leave it all bottled up. And venting can actually be negative and toxic too if we do it in a certain way. And that's what we'll be talking about today, as well as healthy venting and venting options. Venting can create and or fuel anger and resentment. So let's talk about signs of toxic venting. Okay, playing the victim. This isn't to say you're never the victim and can't acknowledge, but if you're constantly feeling and or claiming victimization, that's a good indicator something's up on your end. And it's important to take accountability and recognize how you're contributing to a situation directly, indirectly, in a big way, in a small way, whatever it is. It takes two. It takes more than one person to have a situation, right? And it's okay to still be upset about it and vent those feelings, but acknowledging your role in it is crucial. And even if it's just a situation with yourself, let's say in your relation to yourself and recognizing how you're perpetuating or fueling certain issues or insecurities or maladaptive behavior that can make all the difference. And so being self-aware. So it, it works even if it's just you that is in the situation. Next one, growing resentment. Is your resentment building and growing and gaining momentum? And after your venting session, do you walk away feeling heavier, worse, more angry? And this could be because your venting partner is unsupportive or not acting with integrity and or because you're focusing on perpetuating negativity. And so uh, this is another way in which you need to (laughs) understand your role in it in the venting process too. Next, solely criticizing others, not recognizing mitigating factors, redeeming qualities, complicating factors, contributing factors, etc. It is so much easier and feels so much better to act superior, to act like you're the one in the right, to act angry, to act the martyr, to act the victim, because then that releases you in your mind from taking accountability and facing up to your part in it. 
it. And it feels so much better to feel superior and better than someone else. It just does. But if you're only criticizing someone and calling out their negative behavior or their their weaknesses, let's say, or areas for growth, so you've euphemistic way to put it, and you're not acknowledging maybe the good things that they're doing or the good traits that they have, that can be uh, maladaptive and non-constructive too and does a disservice to you and everyone. Next, personal unkind attacks on others. And that's kind of in the same vein as the previous one. So express frustration. Sure, that's what venting is for, right? That's the purpose. So let's say that your partner keeps leaving cabinet doors open or forgets to take out the garbage. Let's say your friend forgot an important date. I mean, it's natural and justified to feel upset, of course, absolutely. But it's also important to keep the frustration contained in context and in proportion and not lose sight of the humanness of humans. Understand we're all complex and flawed. We all have our own issues and concerns and insecurities. We all have our junk that's affecting how we're moving through the world. We all have our strengths and areas for growth. And name calling is not cool. Attacking someone's character or characteristic unrelated to the matter at hand is just uncalled for. Emotions aren't necessarily reasonable, and it's entirely possible to be enraged over something you know is trivial and to simultaneously be pissed and be aware you're being extra. Hello, any woman who's ever had their period. I mean, you know you're being a monster. You know that you're just being ridiculous or insane. You know, you're not being reasonable. So it's possible to know this at the same time and still feel like those feelings of rage. And when we're triggered, we're not feeling and are acting the most stable. When something or someone hits a nerve, our reactions can be swift and fierce and feel like they're taking us over. But with awareness, time, practice, and possibly professional help, like therapy or medication or whatever, we can regulate ourselves and handle these situations more constructively. We can respond rather than react. We can and should still feel and express our emotions, but in an aware, structured, intentional way. And that comes from self-awareness, identifying our triggers and what those triggers represent. Key in to the root cause, the true underlying issue. It's not just about your partner forgetting to shut the cabinet doors no matter how many times you beg them to close them or your friends spacing your big interview. It's about you feeling forgotten, overlooked, not important enough, not considered. This could stem from and evoke parts of your childhood maybe, maybe feeling neglected by a parent or lost in a big family or rejected by a past lover. That's part of what taking accountability is about, owning your reaction and responses and understanding why you're having them. I don't like to feel bad, do you? Some people do, but in a way, I mean, God, that's you could really dig into that psychologically because it's an adaptive behavior, but I would rather find out ways that I can feel lighter and happier as often as possible or just the best I can as often as possible. You know, finding beauty in all of the emotions, but you know what I mean. Feeling good as often as you can instead of staying stuck and feeling victimized and all of that. And if you want to stay stuck, keep toxically venting. But if you don't, it's important to and critical to owning you and yourself and having self-awareness and understanding yourself and why you're responding and reacting in certain ways. Okay, next up, venting the same story to multiple people. Are you making the rounds venting just on a (laughs) venting campaign? When you've told the same story for the 11th time or more and still acting just as desperately in need of a vent as before, this could be a sign 
you're living in victimhood and and this is a little harsh what I'm saying what I'm about to say so I mean this with loving intent so it could be a sign you're living in victimhood and we're milking the drama that you get high on that for a reason there could be very deep reasons for this but are you spreading negativity and notice I'm saying could I'm not judging you or denouncing you if you do there's a reason for that it's an adaptive behavior I remember hearing from Chelsea Handler years ago good advice she heard from her sister and it was to vent once to one person and that highlights and acknowledges the value of venting but it keeps it contained as with most things it's not black and white there's room for nuance and gray so use your discretion it's not you can only vent to one person one time and if not you're a toxic venter that's not it i mean you have to use your discretion and case-by-case basis but sometimes it can be helpful to share with more than one person to get a different perspective. But how about, this is an idea, and this isn't necessarily something that you have to do every time or at all, but here's an idea. Full on venting to one person or as few as possible, letting it all out, and then not sharing as many details to others and reframing it to specifically ask for perspective and or update them on what's going on with your life. Venting often, kind of the same as the previous one. Sure, sometimes we go through particularly stressful periods of life requiring more venting than usual. Again, this isn't black and white. Discernment is key. Deciding what's appropriate and what works for you for your and others' highest good. But if you're always venting the same amount, let's say it's just a constant stream and it's always a lot, no ebbs and flows, maybe check in with yourself. It's important to choose a solid and trusted venting partner and confidant, someone you trust, a partner, a friend, a mentor, a parent, therapist, etc. Not someone who will exacerbate it, rile you up, enable or nurture toxicity, negatively frame things, or run their mouth and betray your confidence. Someone who doesn't speak honestly with you or doesn't support you. Remember, tough love is a form of support, even if we don't always like to feel it. Um, someone who doesn't act or speak in your best interest or for the highest good. Someone who gets high on drama. That's not ideally the person you want to vent to. Ideally, you want someone with an open mind, right? I guess I'll speak for myself. That's what I want. <laughs> um, someone who's able and willing to stay as objective as possible. Speak directly to me. Give it to me straight. Empathize. Understand nuances and biases. Mine and others. I don't want someone who's just going to agree with me ad nauseum with everything that I say. I don't want someone who's going to handle me either. Handle me with kid gloves. I want someone who has my best interest at heart, prioritizes my welfare over their current comfort, who isn't just a yes person. And let's talk about what healthy venting looks like. Ask yourself before you vent why you're venting. Is it to get sympathy? Is it to control the narrative, to seek validation? And while venting is definitely beneficial, as we've discussed, it can also be tricky when we're solely seeking external validation and someone to help regulate our emotions. I think it's important to strengthen your foundation as much as possible which can be a journey in itself, right? So you don't live and die by others' validation of you, your feelings, your actions, and all of that. Not that we should or can live entirely without needing others' validation. We're social complex creatures needing connection, but the stronger our sense of self and esteem, the more stable, healthy, and happy we are. Are you venting to seek solutions? Are you truly venting and wanting to air and process and work through your emotions? It doesn't always have to be about seeking a solution. Sometimes that can be stunting and freaking frustrating when you're venting to someone and they're just throwing solutions at you. Sometimes it's not about 
fixing something per se. It's merely about releasing the pressure valve. It's helpful to specify up front if you're only wanting support or if you're also seeking solutions. And it's important for us to remember this distinction when on the receiving end and specifying what the venture wants from us, asking that right up front. Do you want me to to listen to you or do you want me to help you find solutions? What are you needing from me? How can I show up for you right now? And then asking that of another too or specifying that. I mean, that does the person that you're venting to a solid by telling them what would most support you at that moment. And healthy venting acknowledges the heavy emotions like anger and frustration without getting swallowed up in and stuck in them. A good litmus test to ask yourself, is my aim to get relief or to prove I'm right? It may involve complaining either way, that's venting, but complaining isn't the primary focus. It's not the stopping point. And let's say that you don't have someone to vent to or you don't, you're not right then or at all and or you don't feel ready to share. So be careful if you're not, be careful that you're not letting shame take control. But let's say that you just want an alternative to venting to a person. Here are some other options to release steam, move energy, help you process heavy emotions. Journaling, gosh, that is top notch. It's such a good alternative. Journaling can be exceptionally effective. They can be in conjunction with venting to a person. It doesn't have to be either or. Journaling, what I love about it is it allows you to organize and ground your thoughts to make sense of them, to identify patterns you might not have seen otherwise. You have to slow down and calm that frenetic energy by writing slowly enough or typing slowly enough so that you can actually get it down. And that really helps you slow down and calm yourself and make sense of what you're feeling and experiencing. And it can be exceptionally helpful, let's say that you're going through a tough period or even just help you see patterns in your life overall or draw from experience and experiences, past experiences or lessons learned, any of that to identify patterns and help you grow and evolve and gain self-awareness and tune in to what's going on with you and see some of your triggers and even see how far you've come and so many benefits from journaling. And it's just, I really can't say enough good things about it. And I remember just in case this has ever barred you from journaling or gave you pause. I remember talking to, um, I was talking to a therapist a while ago and I was like, cause I was a big journaler. And then for some reason, I think I was going through a tough time and I was like, I'm just so sick of only having negative things to say. And then I just am sick of like, reading back through and seeing, oh my gosh, another negative post, another post of me having a hard time. I'm like, I kind of just want to wait until I have something positive to say to kind of boost and lighten that record. And so then, like my therapist said, who says that you have to read back through them? I mean, there can be benefit in that, sure. And this is Whitney speaking now. There can be benefit in that, sure. But a lot of times it's just to get it out. And especially like if you're having a hard time late at night, don't have anybody to talk to, don't really want to share it, that can be your best friend. And maybe when you feel stronger, you can read back through them later. And it's such a good way to memorialize your life and to remember things. I mean, I don't know if you've kept a diary or journal, but there are a lot of times where I've read back through and been like, oh my gosh, I remember that differently. Wow. I didn't know that I forgot that that happened. That's awesome. Or wow, yeah, okay. So I didn't realize that that was a theme. Now I see that persisting later in life and that's something I need to be aware of and focus on. And our memories are unreliable. And even if we think that we have something on lock and remember it so clearly, our memories are notoriously 
and reliable. I mean, science shows that. So many studies have shown that and even things that you think you know, like the back of your hand, maybe didn't actually go down that way. You just remember them that way and they can evolve and change over time. I mean, it's fascinating. I listened to a podcast. I don't know if you remember hearing about Brian Williams that big uh, news anchor and he was brought under fire for he claimed to be in a helicopter that was shot down in Iraq and turns out he wasn't on that helicopter so that created this big scandal and as people said how can you think that you were on a helicopter that was shot down that's a pretty memorable moment one would think it really really hurt him and his reputation and in his mind like he's saying I had recalled that experience clearly like years ago when it first happened and it recalled it a different way and then years later he said that it went down differently he's like why would I contradict myself intentionally and he's like I am sharing what I thought happened and so Malcolm Gladwell in his in his podcast he broke that down and the science behind it and memories and how they're unpredictable and it's fascinating. I highly encourage you check that out. The podcast is called Revisionist History and the episode with Brian Williams is called Free Brian Williams and it is from June 6th, 2018 and there's actually an episode right before that too that talks about memory and this guy from history. It's really, really fascinating. So I highly encourage you to listen to both of those really, really good thought-provoking, enlightening episode. I can share that episode in the show notes, but just something to keep in mind. And the example that Malcolm Gladwell shared was Malcolm Gladwell's memory of 9-11 that day. He wasn't in the Twin Towers. He was in New York City. And so he shared his memory of it and his neighbor's memory of it because they had hung out that day and they had two very different recollections of what had happened, their experience that day. And they could have sworn up and down that they were right, but they have two very different recollections of their interaction. And so, I mean, it just goes to show like you can't rely on your memory. So that's just a vote in favor of journaling. That was a tangent to go on, but go journaling. It's so good for you. So good for your psyche. So good for all of it. Okay. How about drawing? That's an option. That's a good way to let it out and to kind of just release those emotions and get them out. Art therapy. I mean, and it really helps you kind of just also make sense too. And just creativity can be such a soothing, calming, healing balm and really help you make sense and just spark just healing mechanisms in you. And it's just I think so restorative and so alchemizing and it's really turned things around for me too if I'm like down in it or feeling stuck or stagnant or frustrated or any of that blocked. It's a good way to get things going again. And speaking of getting things moving and going in, dance. It can literally get you moving, get that energy moving and flowing and that has been shown to be remarkably healing and just lets you release pressure and get out of your body, get out of your mind and into your body and tune into how you're feeling and really clue you in on how emotions are showing up in your body. And that is powerful and transformative and really healing too. I mean, they've shown, studies have shown too how healing that is. Breath work is another one, really activating your parasympathetic nervous system. And that just activates no matter what. If you're doing like box breathing, for example, or controlled breathing, you don't have a say in it. It's calming your body down on that cellular level. And that is so cool to me. So do like box breathing, like in for five, hold for five, out for five, hold for five. Or another of my favorites is to breathe in for four, hold for seven, release for eight, and do that three times and however long it takes. And it's 
amazing what it can do for you. But no matter what it is that you decide to do, whether it's venting to a living, breathing person or venting on your own in a different way, it comes down to connection. Connection heals, whether you're connecting to yourself by these alternative venting options or connecting to others by sharing your emotions. Feeling seen and feeling heard can be transformative. And so that really helps if you do connect with someone, but even feeling and seeing yourself can really do wonders. And so just something to keep in mind as you move through the world and try to be a good human being as I know you do try to do. And I mean, life can be a tough business. Life can really kick you in the nuts, right? (laughs) I do believe that things are happening for you, not to you. But I mean, sometimes life can feel heavy, especially lately. And like, especially at this moment in time with political partisanship and things like Afghanistan and current events that just drag you down and all this division with COVID and all that's going on. And it can just feel like a lot. And not to mention like personal problems and issues and venting can make all the difference and help you redistribute that load and drop things that you don't need to be carrying and help you gain perspective and get to know yourself more. And it's how you carry the load, not how big the load is. And venting can help with all of that. It can really help release that so it doesn't destroy your mind and body. And we carry a lot of things that aren't ours to carry and venting can really help us with that. And you deserve to be seen and heard as everyone does. And so we need to remember to do that for others and serve others in that way to have boundaries because sometimes people can take advantage and just vent, 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 vent with no end in sight. And they have no intention of trying to resolve anything or to move on or to get unstuck. So it's important to protect ourselves too and to not be a venting bag instead of a punching bag and to draw the line when we need to and sometimes love from afar, you know, give that tough love. But we also have to be willing to receive that tough love too because that's for our own good and for everyone's good. And I love you and thank you for showing up and always trying to be a good human. And this is a sure sign that that's you because you're listening to this. Thank you. I love you.